Welcome to the tonight's share. Motzah Shabbos Vayachal Pikudei, Parshas Achoydeish, Hazak. It's also uh, it's been pointed out to me. It's the first yard site of the Blavi Parish of Ashalom. Should be a Meilat Yosef for his family. Gashmis Beruchmis. I'm actually now in uh, Bournemouth for Shabbos, and I want to share with you a Hadrach of Gratis, which I'm still still uh, very excited about. And that is that this past Shabbos, sorry, this past week, there was a conference of Rabbonim in Vienna. The theme of the conference was about how to, um, to strategies to uh, about intermarriage and how to do, diminish this terrible tragedy of, of intermarriage in the Jewish community. And I was asked to be one of the main speakers, halacha things, really very much to share with a lot of the kind of stuff which we've discussed here at the Shia. And over the over the last few few years, and so, all right. So I was slated to give two or three shiurim, and on Monday evening I go to the airport in Gatwick, and I'm traveling very light, so I don't have to do any check-in. And I come to the just before the flight, which is when I was there, and. Uh, typically delayed again and again. And just about half an hour before the flight, people are going over to, to the chair, to, to the flight, to, 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 to board. And there's two lines, there's the non-priority and the priority. Uh, I did not pay extra for priority, but the priority line was quiet. So she calls me over, looks at my passport and says, I'm sorry, your passport has less than three months validity and we can't let, we can't let you onto the plane. So I start saying, oh, I've got a conference and presenting it. Calls her manager, no chance. Okay, I call up, I call up Hershey Vogel, ask him perhaps he's got a bit of a pull. I call up the organizers in Vienna, perhaps they can pull, pull something off, no chance. Okay, the line's getting very, very thin. And something got into my head. I walked over to the non-priority desk, showed my passport, and she says, oh, you're almost expired. You can go on the plane. So I walk onto the plane and I'm tittering because I'm worried that any, any minute they're going to say that tall guy with the... With a black hat, he's gone through without permission, and we're going to get into trouble for letting him onto the plane. Kitsa got onto the plane, and then on the plane, I called up the organizer, asked him to write a pigeon to the Rebbe that I shouldn't get into trouble at the other end when I get to Vienna to immigration. And the plane was delayed again. And so I was on the plane, and I wrote also a pigeon to the Rebbe, and I also made an online donation as Demay Pidgeon. A pidgin means that you have to give money for stock also. So I did that all on the plane. And then towards the end of the flight, I'm saying till him. And then as I'm mamish on the line of the passport, I'm saying Ozyoshir uh, once and twice. And then I walk through to present my passport, looks at it, turn the page, gives me a stamp and lets me in. But uh, it was really... Um, quite a traumatic experience. And I was very excited that they wished to help, that I should be able to get through. It was like a little bit uh, Lamaila Bader Khateva. It was schus uh, to be able to present by this uh, keynote. Um, and uh, it was a schus to be able to present at the keynote that which allowed me to go through. Um, okay, now let's see what's going on here. Something wrong with the presentation. Um, let's see. There we are. Okay. So, as I was saying, the other thing which I want to share with you, that was just like a little preamble. 
So, as I said, the, the uh, theme of the Kinos was about intermarriage, and we heard some very, uh, you know, very worrying statistics of the, the rates of intermarriage. And on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, so I was meant to be speaking about halochas, uh, which are spin-offs of a case of intermarriage. But I came, came through my mind an interesting halacha, which I want to share with you. The story is, if a koyhin had Rahman al-Islan an accident and his finger got cut off. So there's a, kind of, there's a kind of surgery, which this can be sewn back together. And uh, to a degree, it, it can, be, uh, can be saved. Shaila is like this, that a severed limb has got a tumor of Eva min hachai. So if a limb is severed from a living person, so then that, and then now it's so interesting because it went through my mind, this is, the it was, I remember this Rashi in Nazir, and in, in, in Daf Hayoimi, just last week, this was the Daf of the, uh, you know, they learned this daf memhei in Nazir. And so there, there's a whole discussion about Avram and Hachai. And there's a din about a koyen is allowed to, if uh, wife passed away, he's allowed to be a metame to his, his wife, etc. But if it's to, to an, an organ, so he wouldn't be allowed to, because uh, that's, that's the discussion about Avram metame le'evoreho. So coming back, Sir Shlomazam was asked, Shlomazam Oyabach was asked if a coin is allowed to have this surgery, because after all, the, uh, the limb, the severed limb is is an uh, uh, is and by him having the operation, so he's connecting, he's touching the severed limb. And Shlomazam comes up with a brilliant answer, and he says, in Hilchas Shabbos, the Shem Shinchavches talks about the circumstances which you're allowed to do various things to save a life and to save um, from illness. And there's a, there's a level called sakonas efe. If there's a danger of a loss of a limb, someone is allowed to violate an isud rabbonon. That's the haloch and shin So he says, nowadays, koyonim or tommy in any case, because they've come into contact at some stage. So most koyonim or tommy in any case. So a koyin is tommy in any case to make himself more tommy, according to many rishonim, is isad rabbon. If you were Torah to make yourself tommy, say something in a Torah, even today. It's nothing to do whether he's doing a or not doing a A koyin mustn't make himself tommy mates. But if he's already tommy, to make himself tommy again, so the rishonim says it's, it's not awesome in a Torah, it's only rabbon. Okay, so therefore, being making yourself tommy to uh, a, a limb, is it to save a limb? You're allowed to violate it, So Shlomazam Barber says he's allowed to have the surgery to connect his limb back. That's Shlomazam. So years ago, I learned this Rashi in Nazir, and I saw what we can find a different solution to this question. So let's read the Rashi inside. The, the husband may not be mitame to the limbs, which are, would have been severed. Uh, if an organ had been separated from her, whether, uh, whether she's alive or not, the husband may not be make himself tome to the organ. That although there is a dispensation for a koyan to be tome, make himself tome to immediate relative, that's only to the overall body, but not to an organ. Because that limb has been detached and cannot be restored. That's the Rashi here. So I'm, I'm taking from this Rashi the following. That when an organ is severed and cannot be restored, it's got a tumah. But if it can be restored, it doesn't have the tumor. Therefore, when you're talking about coming back to our topic about the, about the intermarriage, etc., and people talk about Yidin being detached from Yiddishkeit and like a severed limb, 
But the truth is, we see that with due engagement, the, one is able to revive these people, bring them back to Yiddishkeit. Therefore, don't call them detached. Don't call them Tommy. On the contrary, because they are, they through uh, uh, appropriate um, approaches, contact, they can be brought back to Yiddishkeit. Therefore, they are they remain a, a part of Klal Yisrael, and it's our our privilege to be able to bring them back. Just if I may say, I also a word of the Baal Shem Tov, I may have said this before. Um, the conference was on on, on Yom Chov Beis. That's a tilim in Yom Chov Beis, the capital of Vovek of Zion. So Baal Shem Tov says the following. There are those souls who come down to this world which literally means a boat, a ship, but also the word onio means in with grief. There are those neshamas which come down to this world and they have no support system, neither their parents nor their, their surroundings. They are like a, a boat on the high seas with, with, no, with no safety at all. So these are the those who do labor in the great waters is the, the lifeboat crew. Those who have the privilege to go out, out, out into these, these raging seas and to be able to save, to salvage these neshamas and bring them back to safety. And that I said to the Rabbonim at this Kinos, that's the privilege of uh, the Rabbonim in these small communities particularly, but whoever is, that's to anyone, anyone who's there in the, in the front line is one of those to help bring Eden back. Okay, so that was a halacha agada combination. Okay, let's go on to some dry halacha. And so now we have a question someone wrote to me that you know, we're about to be very particular. Particular on Pesach, for the, even the tiniest speck of chometz, and it's mentioned in the Bar Hetev, in Hilchus Pesach, that if, that if one is succeeds to avoid ingesting even the tiniest speck of chometz during the year, one is protected not to do, commit sin during the year. We still have here it's okay, but it's it's a it's a protection. That's the explanation for the extreme hidurim, which are familiar in certainly in, in Chassidish circles, not only in Chabad, in many, many Chassidish circles, extreme hidurim for Pesach. So, all right, so one of the things is about not using manufactured goods as much as possible, which I want to say it's not a um, I think I said this before, it's not a perfect science. I will use Kedem wine. But I won't use Kedem with apple juice. It's possibly even the same factory. But I can manage without apple juice. So I don't have apple juice. I have a, I have a homemade. I can, I'm, I'm not capable of making my own wine. So therefore, the, the wine I buy. I buy matzahs also, by the way. Um, I don't make my own matzahs. So the things which I can make on my own, actually, I'm, I'm not being honest. It's my wife who makes them. The things which you can make at home, so we make at home. All right, so this fellow doesn't want to buy coffee from a manufacturer. He wants to make his own coffee. Fine, uh, I respect that. But the, 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 um, there's equipment. Don't ask me more details. The equipment for roasting and for grinding. So someone said an idea. Buy the stuff, buy the equipment uh, online, whatever. And then after Pesach, you'll return it and say, yeah, I don't, I don't, I know. I don't need it. It didn't work properly. Whatever, give it back. You can nowadays. It's uh, you can. I don't know how what, what it's changed a bit, but there is this idea that you can you can give back goods which you're not happy with. So is that is that legitimate? Is that legitimate to buy a piece of equipment with every intention of giving it back and getting a refund after after your pay? So here we have a halacha in Hilchus Oino'a. In the Alter Rebbe in uh, Cheshen Mishpot, there is a din of Oino'a, which means harassment. You're not allowed to harass another Eid. And it talks here about Oino'a's devorim. 
And then we have here in Sif Chofches, one should not approach his colleague, his fellow, to say, how much, you know, this car, how much, you, how much would you uh, accept for the car for sale? And you have no intention of buying it. Or you don't have the money. He's just pulling the guy's, pulling the guy's leg. He's just uh, having some, he's, he's, you know, he's building up the fellow's hopes. And then, when he transpires, he doesn't buy the article. So then the other fellow will recognize that you are just um, having some enjoyment of, at his expense. And he will feel oppressed. So this is a form of harassment to offer, to, to start engaging that you want to buy something. And then you don't buy, it's a form of harassment. Now, arguably, with the online purchase, there's no... There's no human being who's being harassed. There's the people on the one end, there are people on the other end. No one's, no one's going to lose any sleep about this. Um, but I think actually it's, it's, it goes in, it's worse than this. No normal supplier will sell you a piece of equipment knowing that you have no intention to keep it. It costs them, there are overheads. It costs them money to process your order and the process the return, all of that costs money, and you are using them without without uh, you know, without them profiting from this uh, the transaction. So I, I see it as gneva rather than as um, rather than as harassment, but I see it as gneva as, as, as using something which there's no way they would have uh, agreed to it unless unless there is a possibility in your own mind that if you do like it you will keep it then okay then then, then that's legitimate then so you're taking on, on approval that's legitimate but if it's clearly you have no intention of keeping it you intend to give it back afterwards i think it's sim simply dishonest um someone's pointing out there's another aspect here well you know what you're buying this piece of equipment you never know perhaps there was another chokham earlier on who bought this equipment and put it, sent it back and tried it out with some comments. I guess that you'd recognize on the packaging whether it was ever opened before. Uh, and if it was, yes. Uh, it may be, have been used with Dvarimah's Surim. Let's move on. So here's someone asked me last Friday night. For some reason, his toddler's yarmulke was left in show. And he wants to know whether he can put a yarmulke under his yarmulke and walk home, bringing home his toddler's yarmulke to, to the house. So here we have, this is from Simon Sheehan Aleph, which talks all about carrying on Shabbos and wearing what's called wearing, what's called carrying. It's come, some, it's come up some of these things recently. Um, when we talked about the tracker, if you remember, that came up in this, this Simon. And so it says here about a, a woman should not be wearing a... Uh, a, a, a garment to protect her her uh, her tzif, her tichel. She's got a nice tichel, and she doesn't want to get a, a, a spoiled by the rain. To wear a garment to protect a garment that would not be okay. If she's wearing it to protect herself, then that is okay. Then we have about wearing to wear a hat on top of a hat. So you are allowed to wear a hat on top of a hat to protect from rain because that's a derech malbush provided that one is deeper than the other. So that's very common that we are accustomed to wear a yarmulke and then we wear a hat on top of it and we walk in the street wearing both one on top of the other. But the the uh, key words here are derech malbush because that's a normal behavior, normal way of dressing. So in the piske chuvas on the same simon as Shin Aleph, he uh, talks about this and I'm just quoting this couple, these couple of lines. The word couple was not a pun intended. Um, 
to I was wise not shnei not shtei to wear two kippos or shnei koivim or two hats one on top of the other that would not be okay kevon shein haregilus bekach since it's not a normal behavior also hadov that would not be okay. And so actually, this is like what I told him, your money shouldn't do that. He can take off his own yarmulke and leave it in Shul and wear his toddler's yarmulke home. That would be possibly okay. Um, right. Now, in the notes, in the notes uh, of the Pisket Shuvas, he mentions that his own father, Biala Rebbe, wears two yarmulkes. And I heard from Ireland Tiferbrun, that his, his father-in-law, the late... Um, Shomber Eichhorn was a Meshamish. He was an attendant of the Frederick Rebbe. He was a Koyan. And but the Rebbe, the Rebbe never called him by his first name. He called him Eichhorn. He didn't want to call him Shalomber because that was the father's the name of his father, the Rebbe Rashab. Call upon him when it came Yud Shvat of Shinyud at the Tara. When the Rebbe passed away, the Rebbe, the Rebbe passed away, so they saw that the Rebbe was always wearing two yarmulkes. So there isn't an Indian. So, so and, and the coming back, the the Piskechua says those who normally wear two yarmulkes, they could wear two yarmulkes on Shabbos also, because that's their derech levisha. If that's the normal thing, here we're talking about wearing two a second yarmulke for transportation, not for your wearing. What's the reason of wearing two yarmulkes? So this is as a ha'ore. Well known, this idea of shtei makifim, um, and there's a ha'ora somewhere in the memoriam of the Friedrich Rebbe about the wearing two makifim, to wearing two layers of, of covering. Uh, I don't remember the, the details of the Maimer. I, I do know is the idea of shtei makifim. You have makifakor of makifarochik. I don't remember the the, the uh, kabbalistic explanation, but there is an idea, as we know, that Sidim generally do make a point, especially for davening, but even for brocha, to have two. To have a hat and a yarmulke, and so by having two yarmulkes, that's also an alternative to being careful about shteimachifim. I mentioned before, it's very blavy Paris is your side. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he would very often be wearing a a, a tissue underneath his yarmulke for this idea of having shteimachifim. Someone's pointing out here a a rain hat for a woman to protect her shaitel. So if it's just to protect the shaitel, that would be a problem. But the advice given is to have the, the, the rain hat extending over the forehead and over the neck in a way that it's protecting not only the shaitel, but it's also protecting the body, and therefore it's not a problem. Let's move on to our next question. That's question um, four, and that is about a lady who's pregnant, and because of this, she's finding... She's finding drinking grape juice an ordeal, which she's not looking forward to having to have four cups of grape juice. So the question is how much of an ordeal does one have to endure to be able to, to, to fulfill the mitzvah of Arbakos? So there's a famous Loshan here where you have in, this is the first quote is from Tofayin Beis, second quote is Tofayin Gimel. So here we have, that a person's chof aleph in tofayin base, that a person doesn't drink wine throughout the year because they can't stand the stuff or because it's harmful to them. Nevertheless, they should push themselves to drink four cups of wine the night of Pesach. We have the story of Rabbi Huda Rabbi Loi, who would drink four cups of wine on Pesach, and then he had to um, gird his tzedor, means his... his, his um, Something got his, um, what's it called, the side of the, of the mouth. Um, whatever, he had to, he, he endured suffering for, for the next couple of months, till Shavuos. And then we have, that's in Simtof Ayin Beis. In Simtof Ayin Gimel, it's talking about Morer. And you can see here at the end of Siflam and Aleph. It talks about a person who cannot have Morer. So it says about having just, having a few nibbles, just lezeche. Then he says, A person should push themselves, the kaim mitzvah to fulfill the mitzvah, thank you, the word for tzdoim is temples, okay? Uh, but the, the um, one should push oneself to fulfill the mitzvah to eat a full kazais of 
Morer, even though it's going to be painful. And what the shear of Kazai is for Morer is discussed later in Tov Pevav. Okay, so we do have here that a person should be ready to endure some degree of suffering to, in order to do the mitzvahs. So, on the other hand, there can be a, a beyond how much they can handle. And then what I would say, what my, my response to this uh, request was, first of all, try to get a small cup. So you can get a cup of whatever, 100 gram or uh, 100 milliliters or even smaller, go down to 75 if necessary. I know Chaim Noah talks about 86, but there are more recent poskim who reduced the size of the revius to 75 milliliters. And that's based upon current, more, more up-to-date research about the dirham, which is mentioned in the Rambam, and which, in other words, which were the items which the Rambam was used, which coinage was the Rambam referring to, and more recent discoveries have indicated that it's actually smaller than it was believed until now, and therefore they've reduced it. So first of all, to have a smaller cup. Second thing is to have... Um, to have to look for to look for a a grape juice which is not so sweet. There, I'm sure there are different types, so one can do a bit of research and find a less sweet one. Thirdly, when you drink, you don't have to drink the whole cup. Rovkois majority of the cup, sorry, actually majority of a revius that's enough. But the main thing which I wanted to share was that I would suggest that after having heard her grape juice for each of the cups, she then drinks a glass of water. And hopefully the glass of water will serve to dilute the, the taste of the grape juice, both in her mouth and in her body, and that way protect her from, from the enduring um, undue pain. Let's move on to the next question. And here is a story that someone wrote to me earlier in the week. Yeah, someone's asking, can you dilute the grape juice? I'm not so sure how much you can dilute grape juice. There is, in with wine, in the Gomorrah's times, they were allowed to dilute, I think it was five parts of water to one part of wine. It was still considered wine, still kept the taste. Question is, how much, do you, how much can you dilute grape juice and it's still called, called wine? See, grape juice doesn't have any alcohol practically, and therefore, what what are you? Is it still called grape juice once it's diluted? I'm I'm I'm, I'm not sure about that. That's why I didn't suggest that. But I think physically, whether the water is added in the cup or added afterwards by drinking a glass of water afterwards, I think biologically it'll have the same effect. So I prefer to go that way rather than diluting the actual grape juice. Not because I think they add water to the grape juice. As far as I know, it's not. That's not the case. But it says 100% grape juice. It means there's no water added. But I'm, I'm just worried whether it'll lose the status of, of, of a wine by adding water. And I don't, know, I don't know how to guide on that. Okay, so here someone is asking about in, the, in, in a particular Chabad house. So there's a visitor or a local who has a yard site or something, and he came a little bit late. and And um, so he didn't manage to take over, take the omid for for uh, Hazar Sashat, for the first part of davening. But he asked to switch over. He should do Ashriyavolatziyin and say the Kaddish after Ashriyavolatziyin. So the Shliach was brought up in Karen Heights. I'd never heard of such a thing, switching over by Volatziyin. Then he's all concerned. And then he sent me a whole, a whole... Uh, whole parsha, whole thing from AA. Um, so, well, particular of which it didn't have the name attached, who's saying that the Kaddish Tiskabal, Tiskabal Tzloisa means that the prayer should be accepted. Now, who said that prayer refers to Chazor Sashat? And therefore it should be the Chazan who said Chazor Sashat, he should be the one who should say to Skabus Loison, therefore it's inappropriate to switch over. No. So first of all, so 
But the minig ha'olam is actually clearly that it is done. Now, for the lower quote is from Nite Gavriel. The earlier quote is from the Mishtebrura in Bir Halacha in Simon Kuflamid Base. Simon Kuflamid Base is just at the end of Davening. And there he talks about the extra Kadeshim, Moshe Sheryoim, etc. And then there has there's a whole very long entry in the Bir Halacha about how to negotiate when you have several chiyuvim to say Kaddish. Who do you give Kaddish? The one who's a local, and the one who's a visitor, and the one who's a shloishim, and the one who's a yurtzeit. It's a whole, all the whole, the whole uh, hierarchy there. But there the end he says, and then that's all more about Kaddish. Because then, and nowadays this is hardly relevant, because in most communities, it's accepted that several people say Kaddish at the same time, and therefore there's no competition who's going to say Kaddish. But uh, there's still competition of who's going to be the chazan. Yeah, if a person is capable to be a chazan, it's a uh, it's a, uh, you know it's a privilege to be a chazan when he's uh, in the year of Avelis. So here we have in the Mishnah Buri Bihaloch, he says the following: If both candidates are able to lead the davening, now this is a very important point. That you know, the omid does not belong to the oval. The oval, the omid belongs to the congregation, and for someone to push himself to take the omid, contrary to the wishes of the kohol, it's it's not acceptable. On the other hand, sometimes the kohol are going to just swallow. They're not going to make a fuss, but it's really one should be asking permission from the kohol before taking over the omid. So you've got here two people, both both capable and both acceptable. And so you've got two candidates. Yatilu gbeinehem goyrul boifenseh. Cast a lot. She'echod yispalul ad ashrei uvalitziyoin. One of them should be chazen until ashrei uvalitziyoin. Vahasheini yispalul ashrei uvalitziyoin. And the other one will take over ashrei uvalitziyoin. So this is already... And I'm sure the Mishnah Bura did not invent this himself. This is something which is probably going back hundreds of years, that this was the resolution when you had two candidates for being chazan. So one would be for the first part of Downing and the second one would take over by Asher Ah, you're going to ask Tiskabel. The, what about Tiskabel? So the answer is, my, my simple answer is the following. The chazan, as I said, is not is not it's not his private business. The chazan is there to represent the kohal, and therefore, when he says this when he was the chazan, it wasn't even his own davening; it was the davening of the kohal. And therefore, when he says this the, the prayer of the kehila. So, if someone else takes over and he says this so what? What's the difference? It's they talking about the communal. In addition. I'm, I'm asking the question. At Mayriv, we don't have Chazar Sashats. And we say, So what's that talking about? It's obviously talking about the quiet Shimon Esra. And therefore, I don't see a, a, a cause for concern about this. As I say, I'm, 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 the Minigo Olim is definitely that switchover by Asher Volatzid is acceptable. Why did he not see this in Chabad? Because in Chabad, it's much more, in the, the separate chiyuvim, there's much more a tendency to start mustering separate minyonim. You can complain about it, but I'm just telling you, that's the fact. He's brought up in Crown Heights. So he's never seen this idea of switching over um, because, as I said, people would just manage to put together another minion. But in places where that's not an option, so the switchover is apparently quite a, a common um solution right let's move on someone's saying that um the kedem do add water that may be but i'm talking about grape juice which as far as i know is 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 i've seen this in, in various publications that grape juice does not have added water especially like so the french grape juice it says it says on it 100 pure and that is to vouch for that there's no water added okay Let's move on to our next question. That's question number six. A man, for some reason, not because it wasn't because of illness, it was something else, and 
And he added a name. So now he asks me, does he have to now update his wife's ksuba? Of course, he said, can I doubt I my ksuba? It's not his ksuba, it's his wife's ksuba, yeah? Do you have to update it? And actually, this is not such a um, rare situation. I'm not beyond that, of course, in the case of a, a choyli occasionally, we add a shame, and if he Hashem, recovers, so then that, that is going to be relevant. But let's say now, it's quite a common thing in Lubavitch, they have people who are, have several daughters, and their name is Menachem Mendel, and they find it looking for her for a shiduchim. And every, uh, you know, every second candidate invited Menachem Mendel. So uh, you, then now there's a meister. Uh, uh, you don't have a son-in-law and a father-in-law with the same name. So I know of a couple of prominent Chalbavitch Chassidim, Rabonim, Ashpim, who added another name, whether it's Meir Menachem Mendel or Moshe Menachem Mendel, they added another name. This is going to become the question. Do they have to now make an adjustment to the Ksuba? So this is what you have in front of you. I, actually, I, I'm sure we've addressed this in the past, but it's come up again. And so I was short of how much material I have for this week's shear. So, okay, so I'm sharing with you again. Some people weren't here last time. Okay, so this is from the Sefer Mishpat HaKsuba. This is written by Rabbi Yol Bar Shalom. Uh, I've met him a few times, son-in-law of, Rab, of Rabbi Vadia Yosef, and it's a specialist series on Ksubas. On, and so one of the things he writes here, if a man or a woman added a name after marriage, say so there's different opinions. Some say you'd have to um, write a new ksuba. Others say it's not necessary because the ksuba is testifying of the event, the event, events as at, they were at the time of marriage. And that was true. That was his name at the time of marriage. He concludes the following. if Sometimes the added name doesn't seem to click. Then don't worry about it altogether. If the new name is now appended with the old name, so then you write at the bottom of the ksuba, you'll have a, a, an addendum that the husband in the presence, the husband um, declared in the presence of two witnesses, he said that he now has an added name or her name has been added, and for henceforth is going to be known as such as such, and the witnesses will date and sign that addendum, and that's that's what should be done. That's the second thing. And what happens if, now the, in, there's two, two ways. There's a way of adding a name, and there's a way of switching names. If, it's, if the old name has been dropped, and now is known under a new name, so then indeed they should change the server because now this... Current, the current, the, the old Ksuba will be unenforceable because no one knows him with this name. I've mentioned this before. The word star comes from the notion of shoiter, which means like a policeman enforceable. It's imperative to a star, to a document, that it should be enforceable. And if he's not known with that name, then that actually does call into question the validity of the Ksuba. We go on to the next... Uh, question and that was about a wedding and they at the wedding the chosen places the ring on the finger of the kala what happens if the chosen and or kala left-handed do they do these motions with their left hand so interesting well first of all let's just go for a moment why does the chosen give a kala a ring rather than anything else. So one of the explanations for this, um, one of the explanations for this is that generally the assets of a married woman are will belong to the husband. So what's the point of him giving her anything when it becomes hers? But because it says, it says his rather. If he gives her something which is mamish a personal item, then that's that's totally hers. So he gives her a ring, which is a personal item rather than just uh, something valuable or a piece of equipment. Therefore, um, therefore, that's why a ring is given. 
So now we have here, this what I have in front of you is from, there's a whole volume called Dine Eater, which is all about lefties. When, when do lefties get treated like everyone else or when are they given special switchover treatment? So he writes, if the chosen is a lefty, he should give the ring with his left hand. If the kala is a lefty, she should accept the finger, the, the, the ring on the finger of her left hand. And then he quotes here, the Sefer Nachlas Shiva. He says, the Nachlas Shiva is one of the primary sources for in matters of chasana. He really, particularly, he's more into documents. He's got a very detailed explanation of the Ksuba step by Imamish, line by word for word, explaining why this word is spelled this way and why we the phrase is used this way. So that's the Nachlas Shiv. But he has here also a comment about why the ring is put on the finger. Why don't you just give? So he says like this. <clears throat> Normally, it's common that when a person wants to point, they will use their index finger. And that's the, so therefore that's the most prominent kind of, if you want to say, protrusion from the body, which is going to be draw someone's eyes, is a finger, a pointing finger. And therefore, that's why the ring of Kiddushin is going to be placed on the index finger more than other fingers. And Dafka on the right one, which is going to be more active in when it comes to touching and pointing, etc. And therefore, he says, if the woman will wear this wedding ring on her hand and on this finger people will see that she is a married woman and they'll know that she is a Mukudeshes and they will not be starting bothering her to uh, offer her shidduch etc okay that's we're not going to the practicalities of whether it's going to deter or whether she wants to be deterred if that's your side issue but meanwhile there is this idea of having the the ring on the index finger being the most prominent area where it would be placed and therefore it follows this this safer dinner says therefore it makes sense that the lefty a woman who's a lefty would put it have the ring put on her left hand the finger on her left hand because that's the one that's the hand which is going to be more active and more therefore more noticeable therefore it should be done the ring should be put on the left hand um Mr. Cora is pointing out that sometimes, many times, the name Chaim is added when someone is very ill. Do you put this on the Matzeva? So the answer to that is, if the person recovered from the illness, this is written in the Shekhanoru, in Maramo, if the person recovered from that illness, then that, state, that name remains as their name. If they sadly did not recover, then it's not included um, for posterity. Let's move on. So here someone's asking about a name, Michoel, um, something, Michoel, Gavriel, actually Yisroel. How do we deal with, it's got, these are names with Hashem's name in them. So do they have a Kedusha and both in speech and in and in, uh, in script. So we know that there are seven names of Hashem, which are, if they are written, we mustn't erase them. Mitkevovke, Adni, Elikim, Kale, Shindaladud, Svois. I think I said five. Okay. Shukhanor has a list, Yudke. And what happens if a soifer made a mistake, let's say missed out a word and put Hashem's name there, one of these seven names. And in order to get the text right, he's going to have to erase. He can't erase that. And that's going to be, it may be necessary to cut off a whole a whole section of the of the sefer and put it into Seamus because you can't erase Hashem's name, even if it's for the purpose of, of repairing and completing the text. So what about, an, as if it would be if somewhere in the text, uh, a name Eliezer, which Eliezer means Hashem, Kaili, my, my God, Eze is a helper, and so on. You've got so many of these names which have got 
which is clearly I've got a, a, a Hashem's name incorporated. And what would happen if the name Eliezer was written and the Sofer has need to erase it because missed out a word? Is he allowed to erase such a, a word? So this is the, just, in other words, a, a, a personal name, a human name, which incorporates God's name. Does it have a Kedusha? So what I, I remember reading this clearly that it's not a problem. I'm, I'm, I spent some time on Friday and even what's the Shabbos trying to find it. I, I'm, I'm, I even I think I think we've discussed this in earlier shiurim, but I couldn't find it on my index either. May have been a bit bit earlier, maybe more than two years ago. But meanwhile, this is from a sefer called Tashbits. There's I mentioned before. There's two Tashbits, and this is Sheshes Bartzodik, and he writes in Simon Kufa in Zion that you have human names. Suri Shadoi was one of the. Uh, but through the um, Maraglim, I think, or it one of the Nesim, that the father was called Surishado, Emmanuel, which means God is with us, Elio, etc. Um, of course, they are, are, are referring to Hashem, but they are human names. They do not have Kedusha. I Actually, as I was researching, I came along with the name Odelia. And Odelia apparently. I don't know whether it exists in, in, in English, but Odeya means Ode, I will thank Le Yudke to Hashem. So I can understand parents are excited, very grateful to Hashem that they have a new baby. And they gave the name Odelia, but it's a human name. Therefore, we would not have Kedusha. He gives a reference to the Gemara Psochim, um, where it talks about the name Yudidya. And he says that if Yudidya is written Yudid, Yudke, then the Yudke will have the Kedusha. If it would be Yedidya's one name, as Shloim HaMelech, one of his names was Yedidya. So then it would have, if it's one name, it's, it would be, um, if it's not without without a gap, then it would be, it would be, um, then it would not have Kedusha. And then you could give another few examples, Amiel, Amishadoi, and Suriel, Surishadoi, Gamliel, Pedotsur, Pedotsur. Well, that's I don't see why he brings that in, probably for the Gamliel. Pedael. So all of these, the Yashami says they shouldn't be divided, but then they are they are human names, not and they do not have Kedusha. The Ari is pointing out about the name base ale. That's more of a complicated, more, more difficult, because there it's written as separate. It's separate. So therefore, Lemaisa, as far as I remember, it's still, you can say base ale if you mean the name of the town, but that's going to be more complicated because it is it's, uh, the Aleph Lamed is written on its own. Now, just towards the end of Shabbos, I saw the following quote in the Sefer Tam in Hogim, which I'm going to read with you. He writes the following. In the Sefer, is Divrei Shol, that's from Rabbi Shol Natanson. In his, that's a commentary on Agodas Hashas. So I saw it inside, but he quotes from Rabbi Shol Mibroina that one should use the names by Eliyahu, just say Elia, Gedalia. Gedalia, and he says that it should be just, just use two letters of the shame. I don't really understand what he's saying. Somehow to avoid using three letters of the shame, I don't fully understand what he's saying, actually. Um, what I could say, tell you, is that in writing, we generally try to uh, mitigate this by, let's say, um, the name Chaya. So we've gone through this recently, we're talking about the Naksuba, but generally, in general writing, we'd write the name Chaya with a stroke. Eliyahu will usually write Aleph Lamed Yud with a stroke, and, and so on, Gedalia. Generally, we do avoid writing the, the Yud K in the name, or alternatively putting a dash, um, but it's not... Certainly, in the name Yisrael, it's not common for people to put a dash in. That's maybe a, a minority, but it's, it's, it's not necessary. Um, the name Yehuda. So, it's some people write the name Yehuda, they'll write Yud Vov Dalad Aleph, again to avoid because it's got the letters of Yud Kivov. But these are Lifnim Yishur Sadin, and Min Hadin, they do not have Kedusha. And um, so, so this is coming back and then pronouncing 
uh, can you say refoil? People do say refoil, although yes, people will say folie and Eliezer, there's a tendency to say laser. There may be, uh, this is Lifnimusher Sadin. So there may be, uh, so looking at this name, uh, Ariel, for example, perhaps you use the word, it's called, it's called Ari rather than Ariel. It's not a problem to say Ariel, but there may be a header to use um, just part of the name as that sensitivity to um, avoid saying Hashem's name when, uh, you know, not warranted. This is a separate discussion about names of Malochim that we don't, we don't pronounce names of angels and um, uh, in, 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 that's the whole thing about people ask about the um, name of Yusuf Vodja by the at the end of Halal. But um, that's the reason that we don't want to, when we say a name of a Malach, we're summoning the Malach. And if we didn't mean it for, in, for prayer, then we can incur uh, the upset of the Malach for being summoned for nothing. So that's about names of Malochim, apart from names of Malochim, which are common human names, like Michoel, Gavriel, Rafael, Hasriel, these names, because they are common, uh, commonly used for people's names, that's not a problem. But if it's a Malach name, so let's say Matat, we don't say the full name of Matat, we'll say just Matat, and so on, we'll just say part of it. On the other side, like Samach Mem, we just say just Samach Mem rather than the full name because we don't want to invoke a Malach um, by name uh, without a proper, a proper justification for it. Right, you're saying that Ari is pointing out he can raise issues with Gitin. Okay, I'm going to recuse myself. That's the right word. I don't deal with Gitin. And so there's a rule that um, person who any idea but should not be engaging with that. I don't deal with with getting. Um, I sleep better with that approach. Okay. Now a couple of more things left on the list, and that is number nine. Is there an issue about now that we know there's an issue about blocking a window or a doorway, and that's attributed to Rabbi Yehuda Hachosid. So someone's asking, what about a chimney? Now, this particular case which was asked to me was that they had moved into a house and already the chimney stack had been largely removed. And, but there was still, the, the chimney itself had been blocked. So there is a, the union of the, this, 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 this concern is that when there has been a passage from one room to the other, there was a window or one room to the other, to the outside. So then to block up that passage, so the Ruchos, which had used that passage, and now you're blocking their access, so you're, they, they can be upset. And we know that we're particular about this. I mentioned this in the past, when uh, at some stage in, in upstairs in 770, when they put up a, a wall between the, the small the small and the, and the tiny shul, yeah, upstairs there's a small zal and there's a shani. And a particular time, they put up a, a, a separation between the two. It used to be windows. And the Rebbe was concerned about it and told to make sure that there's a, a hole drilled through. So we are particular. But what about chimneys? Is a chimney the same as a window and a, uh, a doorway? So there is a safer called Kenyan Taylor from the Rolf of Strasbourg, who says it's not a problem. I did not manage to look up inside, but I did look up the Sefer Shmias Haguba Hanefesh. He specializes with all this kind of stuff. And he's not so not so excited with that header. And actually, I think if that's the logic that the Ruchos uh, have a, a access. So chimneys, I don't think are any different. In this case, it had been blocked already. To start having to unblock it and was even done before, I don't feel, feel it was a need to start you know, um, breaking through, especially if it was done before you moved in. Um, so, but uh, I, I believe that there is a, a bit of a concern there. But, uh, so one should leave, if, if it does come up, one should leave some kind of opening as a vent. Um, right. Finally, the last thing which we have on our list for this evening, is 
about about um, can you in the Chabad we for Pesach we only use vegetables or, or fruit which can be peeled. Can you use unpeeled vegetables or fruit in cooking before Pesach? Now, <clears throat> on the one hand, uh, I, uh, you know the wine which I have, as I mentioned before, I use Kedem wine, and it, it's used with unpeeled, it's made with unpeeled grapes. Had the grapes been peeled, you wouldn't have red wine. So my wine is made with unpeeled grapes. And then it goes through a filtration, etc. And I'm not worried about it, yeah? So my, my, um, my, my balance on this is, if you're going to make a food before Pesach, and it's going to be pureed in a way that there is no visible peel, so then we're going to go for a bottle of shishim, etc., before Pesach, and that's you know one of the advantage of, of cooking before Pesach is that that everything that they, you have the facility of bittul b'shishim. But let's say to take a zucchini or what we call in England, what we call again zucchini, we call um whatever uh, a raisin cup. So um, frustrated. Um, so to, to to cut them up and to put them in a salad and put them into the freezer, then during Pesach you're taking it out. And you've got all the peels there, and it looks courgette. courgette thank you. So um, that I would say no. In other words, if it's not going to be visible, not going to be noticeable, then yes. If it is going to be visible, then don't. don't even from before Pesach, I would say no. Is it perfect? I've said before the the chumras of Pesach are not a perfect science, and just just my uh, my own balance about this. I want to finish off. And I have a couple of minutes. I want to finish off about the sale of chametz. And I, I, as this, this conference in Vienna, I uh, presented uh, a, for the Rabbonim to be able to do their omechias chametz. And I said to the Rabbonim, if you are able to do a siddur you can also do a mechias chametz with you. If you prepare yourself properly, you, you, you learn how to do it. It's, it's not, it's not a, such a difficult thing. And I'm concerned about, I, I, I receive the people, the, the, the comments which are sold online. And the, the way it is set up is, all, it's, it's legal, it's kosher, halacha, but actually if, if people put in too much information, then in the printout, you can't see the information because, because they've put on, you know, too much and it doesn't come out in the printout and i'm not saying that but it, it, I, it there is definitely a value of doing mechiras comments in person of speaking to the row and telling him where the comments is and may get some guidance whether this is a legitimate way of putting away comments if it's not so people sometimes will come along and say they want to sell one shelf in the freezer and they know that um, now they know now but that that, 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 that would not be okay and so on. I think we discussed it in the past. So I'd look I'd like to encourage people to do mechiras um, chametz in person, or if you can't make it in person, make a phone call, etc. Rather than just um, doing it in a totally impersonal way. Of course, if you are embarrassed to, for whatever reason, to, to make it in person, or you can't make it, so do it online. But it's it's not it's it's second best. Finish off that and tell the story how the rebbets and Chana. Rebbe's mother, in her memoirs, she describes how her husband, Rebbe Levik, was uh, before Mechias Chomets, was very tense. It's a very big, it's a great responsibility. But, um, and so, and then afterwards he was relaxed once he had, once he had sold, sold the Chomets. So it, is, it is a concern, it is a right of responsibility. Just to finish off with a Rebendel Futafas story, Rebendel Futafas told me that when he was in Siberia, there was a, a job in the, in, in the gulag of, of taking the trees and putting through an, an electric saw to make them into planks. And this was a very dangerous job because, because at a slightest slip, sometimes there could be a jerk, 
and the person holding the plank could be thrown to the ceiling. Sometimes they sleep and they could cut their fingers off. And Stalin, in his uh, in his kindness, had also sent surgeons to the gulag, so people would take their fingers and run back to the to camp, and the surgeons sew them back. The kids, so people were not so excited with his job. But Remendel said he actually liked this job. The reason being, he said, the kunz is you take that log and hold it firm, and you run it through, and you hold it strong and firm, and nothing's going to happen. And what I said to the Rabbonim on on, the third, on Wednesday is the same thing with the Mechias Chometz. It is a responsibility. Prepare yourself properly, hold it firm, and you'll be able to run it through without any mishap. Wish you all a good tevoch and a good chodesh, and we should see the chodesh hagula, gula hashreimo with Moshiach Tzedkeno and Harry Yamamish.